Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And with us we have me, because Paige <laughs> isn't here, and she usually introduces me. I'm Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Yay! Don't worry, Paige is definitely in the episode. She just had to take care of something for this part. She had to take a big old poopy. <laughs> <laughs> she gave me permission. She said I could say that. We have got a great episode for you. Um, it is Paige's week, and she goes into a cult that is absolutely buck wild. We had a great time. I had so much fun. Oh, yeah. It's just a really goofy, fun episode. I had a really great time. Um, we also learned a lot about uh, ourselves and our bodies. And, and each other. Yeah and, and yeah, and what our names could be in maybe another life, or maybe, I don't know, maybe in the next 10 years. Please no. <laughs> but before we get started, we have got a little bit of news. Hey guys, uh, the Mississippi flag that I helped design with Greg Murphy has made it to the top five. And if you could please go and vote for it, we'd really appreciate it because how crazy would it be that a cult podcast brought about the Mississippi flag? That would just make me so happy. Please make it happen. It's awesome. You know, we, we there's a lot of symbolism behind it. The blue represents the Mississippi River. The stars are, there are 20 because it's the 20th state in the state of Mississippi. There's a tree, a magnolia tree, and it has three branches representing the past, present, and future because magnolias are the state flower of Mississippi. And then there's a golden star in the top center, which represents this moment in time for change. And it is actually a star that is particularly important to the indigenous people of Mississippi. So. Yeah, and if you look really closely, there's a Where's Waldo hidden in it, too. Yeah, that as well. But yeah, please vote for our dumb flag. It's not dumb. It's awesome. And I'm very proud of it. And Aww. I'm very proud to know you. Thank you. I love you. I love you too. Um, yeah, I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. The longest intro because Paige wasn't here. Hello. <laughs> Hello. Oh, that was bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Don't drink the For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm, organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership, organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers, organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships, and organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits, and as always... These are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Andrea Cassetta! Yay! And it's my week! Hell yeah, dude. We have a barn burner this week. This is going to be pretty wild. I'm, what I'm is it? wild what is and barn... Sorry, what is a barn burner? I, I've never heard this phrase before. A barn burner means you party so hard you burn the house down. Oh. Yeah. oh barn. Sorry, you burn the barn down. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You're a cow and you're drunk off milk and you just start <laughs> lighting shit on fire. <laughs> yeah, that was my next question is, is it on accident that I have? Like the party's so wild, the fire starts and then everyone's cool with it? That's the idea. Yeah. Or like has ever, do you think there's ever been a party that's been going like not as great and somebody's like, 
I gotta set this fucking barn on fire. I gotta set this barn on fire, or else people are gonna think I had a lame ass party. And just run around like wild card. Like that's the guy who does it. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Uh, so today, and this is one that I don't expect people to immediately be familiar with, but it's going to be so much fun. Uh, today we're talking about Adidam, also known as Avatar Leader Adida. Ooh. <laughs> Adi In, freaking da. Yeah. Adi freaking da. A I lot of, a lot of people wait. are going to be, uh, more familiar with his shoe line, Adidas. Um, uh, fun fact uh, research for this was terrible because every time I would type into Google Adidam, they were like, you meant Adidas. And so it just kept <laughs> showing me Adidas where I was like, I know what Adidas is. Um, so yeah. Uh, essentially today's episode is going to focus on uh, three to five different gurus just being petty bitches to each other yes oh my god a guru cat fight it is a guru cat fight and i cannot wait it's so much fun are you ready i'm so, so ready. ready you said we're talking about the avatar right uh so he goes by avatar adida but well did when he was alive okay. um Straight up. He everything. wrote everything in papyrus. He plugged his tail into trees. And he was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, straight up. Every time you say Adida, all I can think of is the king from Homestar Runner. Where king of town? Uh, oh, king, yeah. Where he's like, want a can of butter, da? And like, that's for some reason, that's all that I can think. Oh, he said, uh, hey, you kids want some pork snagglings? Maybe a can of butter, da? <laughs> and for some reason, Adidas sounds like that. So I'm just imagining the king offering you a horrible snack. I'm surprised that you didn't immediately latch on to the Avatar thing because Avatar is your favorite TV show. Yeah, I would never silly it with this nonsense. Wait, wait. <laughs> oh, oh, Avatar The Last Airbender. I was like, yeah. they didn't make an yeah. Avatar TV show, did they? But the, no, 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 no. That one was first. Um, no, no. Avatar The TV Show is about uh, the, the four nations that lived in harmony until the Barn Nation burned down. <laughs> <laughs> because they had one kick-ass party. Fucking cows. Whenever I hear Adida, I think of the Beatles song, Obladi Oblada. Oh, that's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, where in my brain it's just like, Adida, Adida, life goes on, yeah. Arguing with gurus, yeah. <laughs> like, just I mean, for the I last that, few days. <laughs> that is a good anthem for reincarnation, so. Yeah, true. All right. Are you ready to get into our sources? Burn this barn down. All right. So, our first source is an article from the Fiji Times dated November 28th, 2008. Uh, and that's called Spiritual Leader Passes On. We have an introduction and a biography to Avatar Adida from adidam.org. Don't read that source. <laughs> like, I know I have to list it because we did have to read it for this, but it is the most insufferable source I've ever read. It's, this was, I was reviewing it today and almost scrapped this episode. It was so frustrating. So, for starters... The biography portion will be like they'll write three pages on how glorious it was that he was born. And they were like, next chapter. I was like, you're only going to cover him just being born. And I had to read 300 <laughs> like words about it. What the hell? 
They didn't and even talk about like, him being conceived because that's the part I want to hear. No, about. it'll be like he was born into this earth in such an auspicious age. It's so amazing that the stars lined up this way. And also the energy flowing around him was such of an elevated play. And you're just like, stop saying words. What? age was he born because i feel like any age that isn't zero is pretty goddamn abnormal <laughs> they met the time that he was born All but right, now yeah, that you say it that way it's way funny i'm just imagining like an almost fully grown man just swimming out of a vagina just like oh. pushing it like opening it like the jaws of the, I'm just of full of Athena vibes. Real. That's what it feels like to move out of your mom's house. <laughs> uh, no, it's not Athena. He didn't spring forth from his parents' <laughs> forehead, fully grown. He was born at the age of zero in a weird age of time. Ah, so gotcha. oh, okay, like yeah. the age of Aquarius. Yeah, he didn't exactly. have that. Exactly. He didn't have that uh, forehead zit birth, like you said, that right, Athena right, had, because right. she is basically just the the world's coolest zit yes uh sentient zit yikes zit girl like an it girl but it's a zit girl (laughs) (laughs) anyway our our next our next source is an introduction to new and alternative religions in america volume four uh and that is w michael ashcraft and eugene v gallagher uh then we have gurus in america (laughs) So Sorry. many watermelons. Yeah, every time I hear Gallagher, I can't think of any other Gallagher. <laughs> well, is this from so. when we were talking about Noel Gallagher, uh, like the G- Oasis Gallagher yeah. the other night? Okay. <laughs> and he just uses his guitar to smash a watermelon. There you go. Oh my God! Ashcraft um, and Gallagher definitely sound like stoner names, right? Like Ashcraft. We're gonna get into a lot of stoning. I yeah. mean, <laughs> drug kind, <laughs> not not person kind. Uh, so, Gurus in America by Cynthia Ann Humes and Thomas A. Firsthoful. First Hoful. Thoful. It's spelled like Thoful. Uh, then we also have the website for Don Horse Press. That actually comes up later on in the episode. Uh, I've got some notes on their original brick and mortar location as well. So we've also got Franklin Jones, which is the Avatar Adida, and his book, The Knee of Listening, <laughs> second edition, because he's got two knees. <laughs> I don't okay, think that's why. Enough. I don't think that's why. <laughs> I like to imagine that, that's why. Not the part that I would consider the listening part. Like, I'm no five-year-old head, shoulders, knees, and toesing around here, but. <laughs> I Yeah, when I read it, I was like, the knee of listening, the ear of running, the <laughs> finger of licking. Like, what is this? Um okay. We well, also have things are finger looking good. I get it. Uh, yeah, it's true. We've got assorted books, sermons, and readings by Franklin Jones, aka Avatar Adida, uh, from YouTube as well as his own website, adidam.org. Uh, we also have a book called Spiritual Cannibalism by mm. Swami Rudaranaranda. I apologize in advance, but not so much because it's just a white guy who made up names. Uh, oh. We'll get to him later. Then we've got a book called Before the Sun, Meeting Rudy by John Mann. <laughs> and then Rudy, <laughs> Rudy, it's Rudy, 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 
Rudy. Rudy's my favorite character in this episode. I understand that there is the famous Rudy, but my father's name is Rudy. (laughs) (laughs) Just every time I have to cover somebody named Rudy, I just see my own father. (laughs) Then this is going to be a weird episode. Oh, I love it. I love it. I'm going to put my father. I'm going to do an impression of my dad. Here, let me start. I don't understand comedy. And I especially don't understand your comedy. Nailed it. (laughs) Jeez. Nailed Uh, it. And our final source, an article from Vice called, I joined three cults simultaneously. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Um, Now, this is a pretty interesting source because this is a case where they are experiencing Adi Dom in the present day. And the article is kind of mean to the members. So I wasn't a huge fan because I feel like it was a little unnecessarily mean to their appearance and and things like that, where I'm like, that's not necessary to cover how crazy this is. Um, But I'll talk about it a little bit at the end, what kind of modern Adi Dom is like. Yeah, there's a thing that we've, there's a thing we've covered many, many times, which is that like, the people who join cults, they're always looking for something, you know, it's there's there are people who are either hurt or missing something or just in some way need an extra thing and they get tricked by somebody else. You don't need to. We don't we don't really make fun of people unless we're doing groups that are like the clan or Aryan nations where it's like you had other options there. Uh, white supremacy was definitely at least plan D. <laughs> All right. I think the theme of people are looking for things is the theme of this episode, because <laughs> what we'll find is essentially both the cult leader that we're going to cover and the gurus that are also related in this story everyone is just kind of trying to find their thing like what am i good at what would make me memorable the problem is they're just using the shin of seeing so they can't (laughs) (laughs) can't get a clear sight on that huh i'm gonna use the i'm gonna use the elbow of knowledge to do the rest (laughs) of this episode the elbow of knowledge sounds like a wrestling move. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Prepare for the elbow of knowledge. It just reminds me of that scene in in uh, Planet Terror where it's just, I'm going to eat your brains and gain your knowledge. That's going to be stuck in my head all day. I am the spiritual cannibal. <laughs> I am the nose of l- listening i can't it's just just a body part and a thing that that body part doesn't do it's my favorite i am the penis of compassion (laughs) actually i slap the cheeks of humbleness i am the armpit of desire Oh, oh okay, God. we gotta start this episode. I'm gonna laugh about I'm this like, first. Are these all the things that what's his name? Chuck Paladuck left out of Fight Club, or who's like, <laughs> I am Jack's elbow of desire. <laughs> uh, they all definitely right. sound like poorly translated, like badly translated, like fighter names from like Conan the Barbarian or something. You know, <laughs> yeah. just like I am Belteshazzar, elbow of knowledge. Like, You're right. What? They do sound like a Ukrainian Mortal Kombat ripoff. <laughs> Then it's even sadder that he was fully raised in America. <laughs> Oof. 
<laughs> okay. Okay. So Avatar Adida was born Franklin Albert Jones on November third, nineteen thirty nine. Is he in a big old white guy? Oh yeah. Okay. He was born in Queens, New York. Uh, shortly after he was born, they moved to Long Island. It's not super important, but he ends up living in Long Island for most of the rest of his life. The New York accent is not one that I would ever associate with not like spiritual wisdom. Yeah, let alone the balls of truth. Yeah. <laughs> hey, you know what? I got the answers for you, okay? I, that's a bad New York. I got answers, okay? You need answers? I got answers. They fell off the back of a truck. Maybe you don't fucking ask about it, all right? <laughs> Listen to me. I've got the toe of petulance. <laughs> so, hey, his, I'm enlightening here. <laughs> so his father was a salesman. His mother was a housewife. Pretty standard for the time. He does have a younger sister. Uh, they grew up in the Lutheran church, and his family was actually pretty active. And allegedly, as a young man, he wanted to be a minister. But like many people, he changed his mind after going to college. So <laughs> he went to college in 1957 uh, and majored in philosophy. Oh, so like if that's not going to like cure you of wanting to become a minister. Yeah, that'll do it. It, was, uh, it, fe- it feels like somebody was trying to, to touch the boob of freedom here. <laughs> um, he graduated in 1961 with a bachelor's degree in philosophy from Columbia University. So he's not dumb, you know, like that's a prestigious university at the time. Currently, uh, he went on to get a master's degree in English literature from Stanford in 1963. Now, after graduating from Columbia and in the process of going to Stanford, he became a heavy user of hallucinogens. <laughs> heavy. Okay. Uh, In 1963, after finishing his courses at Stanford, he was a paid test subject for six weeks in drug trials for mescaline, (laughs) LSD, and psilocybin that were conducted at the VA hospital in California. This explains the knee of hearing. Yes. Yes. That's literally exactly what I was thinking. It was like, none of this makes. Oh, Oh. you don't say. Now, after he finished his testing, he continued to take hallucinogens almost daily. Yeah. Because he. Yeah. He felt like the high mimicked the happiness of childhood and he wanted to reclaim that. But he would have his come downs would be like super paranoid, really, really bad anxiety. And he would just freak the fuck out. So his girlfriend throughout this time, they lived in Palo Alto near Stanford. She worked all day to support them while he stayed home just totally rolled all day (laughs) just took drugs all day and then read about the occult oh god so he just like relationship girl so he just took a bunch of drugs (laughs) and then read about hermeticism and yeah that's what he did all day and she'd come home from work and be like so sweatpants again he's like the tree of life and she's like god damn it not this again like he must have been hot because oh he is not what? Yeah. What are his positive he qualities? Was, he was physically hot to the touch. If you touched him, he was like 20,000 degrees. 
All that so, masculine. Yeah. yeah. I do. I also want to point out here that, that I, okay, Armando Torres, frequent flyer of drugs of many highs. <laughs> um, LSD is not a very productive high to do every day. Like, I can see doing Neither marijuana. is psilocybin or no. mescaline. I can see smoking weed every day and feeling a little boost in creativity and doing stuff. I don't recommend it. I don't do it anymore. I really, you know, I spare... What's the term I'm looking for? You Sparse. spread it out. Spread it out. Yeah, I spread out my highs now. Even I would say even cocaine is more better is 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 more better for productivity. Would, if you're looking for a productive drug, I think cocaine wins. Yeah. <laughs> but you just don't choose what you get to be productive about. No. Caffeine, baby. LSD That's is true, like caffeine. a mix of marijuana and cocaine because you don't get to choose what you're productive over. And then when you come down, you find out that it wasn't even a a thing at all aka the dessert dog or the time that i wrote uh essentially a 20 minute joke about a globe that when i explained it while i was sober i was like yeah i was really just mad at bakersfield as a as a thought <laughs> as a general vibe yeah that's why you, you got to treat your lsd trips like you treat the legs of acceptance and spread <laughs> them Ooh, that's pretty good that is a sexy way to view the encounter yeah, an LSD high is kind of just like anything that happens during that time is the same feeling you have when you have a dream where you're like, yeah, I wrote the best joke ever. And then you like look at your notes and you're just like, it just says apple waffles. Yes. <laughs> so I many. Every time I do a roast at some point before the roast, I fall asleep and I'm like, I dreamt the perfect joke. And then I will wake up and I tried to write it down. And it's like scooby foot and you're just like this i yeah. i don't know i don't know the, what i was thinking the productivity that you get while doing hallucinogens and this is the last thing i'll say on it the uh the productivity you get from hallucinogens is very plain and simply inner working on yourself which is why yeah. you're supposed to you know sparse it out or do it sparsely it's rather a guided yeah adventure you should you should do it very respectfully you should not do it every day for a number of reasons you should not do it every day but also if you're going to do it to do something i wouldn't do it to retain outside knowledge because that is proof to just warp the things you're reading where the sentence can be like uh god is everywhere and god is everything but what you read is i am god god is me and my knees have ears <laughs> accurate this which sunday is, i'm gonna give you the elbow of knowledge <laughs> which is why in 1964 the next year he had a quote spiritual impulse that they should move from california back to new york so they did that but like imagine being his girlfriend and your boyfriend just sits at home all day taking lsd reading books about the occult and then one day he's like Fuck your career. We're going to New York because my brain dragon says so. <laughs> yeah, I would not move with him. Sorry, bubs. That's a you she, thing. She did. Oh, honey. Oh. Yeah. They moved to Greenwich Village in New York where Franklin became a student of a man named Albert Rudolph, also known as Rudy, who was an Asian art dealer and a guru, finger quotes, um... <laughs> 
Unless you're talking about my Rudy, who uh, lived in California and worked at a Jiffy Lube. No air quotes. (laughs) Finger quotes. (laughs) No, Um, absolutely no finger quotes. Also, I do... your your Rudy is is uh his full name is Rudolph, right? Yes. My Rudy, my father, I don't know if you guys knew this, is just named Rudy. That is his what? full name. Why? What? Like that's on his birth certificate? Yep, it's on his birth certificate and it's on his Jiffy Lube uniform. It just says Rudy. It's Rudy Torres. That is his full name. I think he might have a middle name. I don't know much about him. I do know <laughs> him. I do know who he is. Do you but know I- where your dad lives, where he was last spotted, do you know? Honestly, I, I didn't think about it until you put this out in the world. I do not. I do not know where he is. He, My dad is like uh, Carmen Sandiego, um, a big part of our childhoods and then pretty much forgotten in adulthood. There you go. So the thing about this, Rudy, is uh, so you know how Rudy is normally R-U-D-Y? Yeah. Uh, this is R-U-D-I specifically spelled that way to sound more exotic. Oh, Ooh. god damn it. This is like when white people just add the O at the end of words to make it sound more Spanish. I'm gonna do you one better in a couple minutes. <laughs> oh boy. Oh no. So at this point we ha- we have to stop the episode. We gotta talk about Albert Rudolph because I was doing research on Franklin Jones, ran into uh, uh, like Albert Rudolph, and whenever I run into somebody when I'm researching a person, I then have to go like, what's that other person's deal? How do they fit in? And this other person, Albert Rudolph, his story is so buck wild and is so important to Franklin Jones's story, we have to cover it and we can't go any further until we do. So, Albert Rudolph was born January 24th, 1928 to poor Jewish parents in Brooklyn. Uh, and his father abandoned the family when he was very, very young. Like, he doesn't really know his father at all. According to his own autobiography, his first spiritual experience occurred when he was six and left alone in a park because that's a thing that people did to six-year-olds back in the day. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so he he says that this experience that took place involved two Tibetan monks appearing out of thin air. They told him they were the heads of the red hat and yellow hat sects of Tibetan Buddhism, which I don't, I've, I don't know. That's what they told him. I think this is a made up story. Yeah. It, it, it sounds, sounds bananas. It sounds like he saw a hot dog cart and saw a ketchup and mustard bottle. And were like th- those two Tibetan monks. There you go. And this is Either why we should way, stop giving LSD to six-year-olds. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh, so they showed up, and they told him that they were going to place within him the energy and wisdom of Tibetan Buddhism. <laughs> and to do this, several clay jars appeared, and they told him that they were going to put these jars inside his solar plexus. Now, Ooh. the solar plexus is a collection of nerves near the abdomen and stomach, so essentially in his stomach. They then said that these jars would stay in him and then just begin to crack open when he turned 31 and that he would absorb all the knowledge inside them, kind of like the opera lady in Fifth Element. And then he would con- <laughs> he would continue to process and assimilate the knowledge in these jars 
for the rest of his life like God's worst drug mule. Yeah, this is like a timed release of a drug. Yeah, definitely. So, so essentially, you're first of all, this is a spiritual suppository, is what you've <laughs> is what you're saying. Well, secondly, these Tibetan monks, in the kindest way possible, just said, "Hey, kid, let me get in those guts." <laughs> I mean, that's where they put the jars. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. They got in them guts. It's disgusting. It's a terrible way to describe it. But they're also putting clay jars inside of the belly of a small child. That contain knowledge, though. They're the jars of knowledge. That's stupid. Inside stored his in the elbow. <laughs> inside his intestine of learning. <laughs> now, in the old days... There wasn't much time for children to just be children. So Rudolph began his first job at the age of 12 at a handbag factory. <laughs> because by the time he was 12, America was getting ready to go to World War II. So at that point, he had to get a job. And to supplement his income at 12, he used to search through the trash to find things to sell. Uh, his next job was at a textile company when he was about 16 years old but only until he joined the army at 18. Now, his time in the army is interesting because he joined the army at 18 where he was considered qualified to work as an ROTC instructor. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, I want to remind you, this is during one of the biggest wars of the time. What? This is like when they let what's his name just be a fucking teacher. Why are they doing this? What is that's it? A, I think it's because he was gonna be a bad soldier. I think they were just like, do you hear this guy? He thinks elbows can hear. Except that that's the that's the other guy. That's not this guy. Do you hear this guy? He thinks his stomach's full of jars. I guess stomach <laughs> full of jars is a way to get out of like draft service, maybe. You see, sir, I can't serve in your army because I got a belly full of clay. <laughs> <laughs> and they're just like, is that a is that a euphemism for something? And he goes, no, no, no. You see, when I was a child, there was these Tibetan monks, and in a park, and the guy's like, okay, I get, just stop talking now, ROTC trainer. Yeah, just get <laughs> yeah, the fuck yeah, out of away. my office. Go away. Go uh, away. He was discharged one and a half years later. <laughs> wow, you really which... got to fuck up to get discharged <laughs> during a war. I know. Where he was just like, oh, one of the jars opened. I got to go home to Ma. Uh, <laughs> you're not even 30 yet that's ridiculous <laughs> you said 31 now at this time he returned to his job at the textile company uh, for another like two to three years but right around the age of 20 he started calling himself Rudy because he experienced a deep spiritual awakening this is around the same time that he developed an unusually serious interest in Asian art and began collecting sculpture where he was just spending literally all of his money on Asian art and sculpture. This is like when white women discover yoga. This is like, Absolutely. this is like when white teenage boys discover anime and he's like, I love <laughs> <Yeah>. it. <laughs> it's the best. This well, is going to become my whole world and I'm going to make Asian people very uncomfortable. Yes. Now, Due to downsizing at the textile company, his boss actually helped him go to college at North Carolina <laughs> State what? where he studied textile engineering, which is actually like he was set up for having a pretty cool career in the textile industry. Um, after college, he returned to New York 
where he actually worked for a different textile company as an engineer. And during that time, he started to attend meetings based on the teachings of someone named Gurdjieff. Now, we do not have time. That's a whole separate episode, I'm thinking. But he was a teacher and composer from Armenia, who was kind of popular at this time, where, like, a lot of what we're going to deal with today is going to be Eastern religion. He's kind of a bridge between. Hmm. It's interesting. Um, Probably deserves his own episode. Um, But he continued under those teachings for about five years. So he's in like his mid-20s with a successful textile job after the war, just blowing all his money on Asian statues, (laughs) filling his house with them, and happy as a clam. Like, could not be happier. What's all those... the, The statues of the sex, the sex statues. Maybe. Never mind. I'm done. Take it out. <laughs> Take out the sex statue. I'll no, shoot. I, I think you gotta leave that in. Yeah. That's the whole point of a sex statue is to leave it in. <laughs> they Forever. Forever. Yeah. It's in there forever. At least until the sex statue breaks and you release a real woman into your intestines when you're 31. <laughs> Jeez. Uh, now, Rudy one day was walking in Greenwich Village and he saw a storefront for rent and it was small and run down but that just meant that he could afford it and he says in his autobiography that he heard a voice tell him that the store was his and that he was destined to have this store <laughs> it's the fucking it's the the property manager off to the side going <laughs> buy it take the store it's yours it's the not that bad. If you don't like this one, I got one, two streets down the street. Uh, that doesn't make sense. Hi, I'm Rudy, and I'm here to sell you a, a store. <laughs> yeah, I fucked right, that up. Right. Okay. <laughs> no, out. I liked it. Keep it. Uh, <laughs> so he soon opened a store in that storefront that he called, and again, his words, not our words, his words, Rudy Oriental Arts. Oof. Okay. So he opened the store and essentially furnished it with all the sculptures he had collected in his house. Um, And he then would supplement his income for the store by working at the Village Vanguard. So he essentially established an international network of art suppliers, collectors, and distributors and could frequently travel so he actually has kind of set up a pretty solid career for himself. So, what happened was his girlfriend was like, if you don't get these fucking statues out of the house, I swear <laughs> to God. And he's like, fine, fine. Okay, okay. I'll buy his okay. storefront. Sometimes I'll sell one. Jesus, I'll spend all day looking at my beautiful statues <laughs> instead of my fucking girlfriend. Exactly. Andrea's just uh, angry because I bought no less than 200 Asian statues. <laughs> And they are taking up all of the space in our studio apartment. So much. So he continued to study under multiple different religious figures as they would tour New York from India or from Indonesia or a couple other places. He would actually offer them a place to stay for extended periods of times while they toured in the United States. I got, I got a pullout couch, but I'm going to be honest. You will be sharing it with three different statues. 
and um, poked my elbow. <laughs> now, surprise, surprise, in 1959, just studying under people wasn't good enough, so Rudy declared that himself, he was a spiritual teacher and began having classes individually, one-on-one -on -one with people in his store. But his method was to sit across from someone and just gaze into their eyes for five to ten minutes to, sh to transmit energy. So he's just having people come to the store for staring contests and then being like, take that energy with you. <laughs> like, go ahead. Is this how the band Jars of Clay was formed? Absolutely not. Those jars were not in anyone's stomach. They were just out in the open. Um, so he then starts to do it with groups. So two years later, he starts to hold classes in his apartment where everyone literally just stared at each other. They called it open-eyed meditation. So it's an eyeball orgy. Yes. Hmm. With the, the eyes of tasting. And... <laughs> Uh, so they would literally, uh, quote, transmit energy in a group just by staring at each other. And then occasionally after classes, he would invite them to play poker <laughs> or they'd go to dinner in Chinatown or he would teach an eclectic blend of techniques that he called Kundalini yoga, but has no link and no connection to actual Kundalini yoga. It was just something he made up and called that name. See, a lot of people actually misquoted me. What I called it was cunnilingus yoga. It's the art of finding your zen in somebody else's ven. This is an actual thing. I don't know if you've heard about it, but that's an that's a real thing that some people practice. Cunnilingus yoga? Yeah, basically the the concept is that the yoni concept worship. is that you want to make them comb. It's it's the worship of the yoni. It's yeah. like a thing. They make eggs for it. Yeah, but there, there is. So does the vagina. <laughs> there are some like offshoots of like the kink community that are spiritualism through female sexual gratification. So the idea is you will go to the space and you will partner with someone you don't know, and they will you out. Yeah, it. this sounds like it was invented, A, by Craigslist, but <laughs> it sounds like a kind of a weird um, variation of, what's it called, tantric tantric sex? Yeah, it is. The, uh, the concept is that it is slow and meditative and that you, like, find enlightenment through it. So that's yeah. a real actual. I just feel like the whole I point of agree. meditation is to clear your mind of all thoughts, and, and it's pretty hard to do that when you're fucking coming. <laughs> But uh, what do you think about when you come? When I come? Yeah. Are you I thinking guess, about yeah. like errands or like sandwiches? That is kind of. So I've been listening to a lot of stuff about meditation and somebody did make the point that like, you know, when you come, you are fully, truly in the moment. Like that's, you know, that moment is like you can't think about anything else other than you actually don't have any thoughts, you know? Yeah. There is there is purely and truly no thought. And then. uh one second afterwards there's either intense feeling of satisfaction and love or intense shame and and sadness and sadness yeah. and eh, you don't need to feel the second one unless you're a creep <laughs> unless you were using the vagina of resentment yeah so that's the problem that's the problem i'm sorry i'm sorry for that tangent no 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 no, no, no. uh i to be honest i mean in kind of connection with that in reading about rudolph I think 
he just wanted friends. Yeah. Yeah. He does. He did basically just create a meetup group. Yeah. Mm hmm. The um, problem with having staring contest orgies is that every once in a while a five year old wanders in and just owns everybody. And <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Children do be winning those, though. <laughs> so. The staring the, contest thing makes me think that he initially did fail at a talking version of the hangout. <laughs> 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 All right, Rudy, just don't say anything. Just stare in their fucking eyes and then they'll love you forever. Paige is just staring, yeah, (laughs) staring directly into our eyes. Oh, God. Oh, God. I get your energies through this stare. Anyway, the next year, he traveled to India. So in 1962, he became a student of Swami Muktanand. Okay, hold on. He became a student of Swami Muktananda. Muktananda in India, and that's according to multiple sources, um, and he studied under him for a number of years. In 1966, he traveled to Ganeshpuri with the intention of obtaining the title of Swami for himself from Swami Maktananda, and Swami Maktananda didn't want to give him the title. Is is so I'm a little unfamiliar. Is the way that their title works a lot like how wrestling titles work where you have to beat somebody or there can only be one? <laughs> no, I think it's Highlander more like situation? when the, <laughs> No, I think it's like when the queen knights people. Oh, okay, okay. Where okay. it's like, yes, you. I as a holy person have also deemed you holy and so I guess. Okay. That's what it seems like from reading the rest of this. Um so Rudy didn't like that, so he actually went to go speak to a famous astrologer, and the astrologer sided with Rudy and basically went to Muktananda and was like, come on. What the fuck? You told teacher on me, dude? (laughs) He wants it so bad. Like, who would it hurt? Come on. Swami, did you bring enough titles for the rest of the class? Okay. (laughs) So Muktananda reluctantly gives him the title of Swami Rudrananda, which kind of again sounds like when white people just end o- add O to the end of the words. It sounds like the Rudy version of an Indian name. It's I do like that they either accidentally or purposefully snuck the word rude in there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah Rudrananda, sure. um, which basically lent him some legitimacy. Um, in 1971, he and Muktananda weren't speaking again. <gasps> they have a very contentious relationship. Yeah, I mean, he, I mean, his whole deal was not speaking to anyone, though. They just stared at each other. That's true. Now, in the interim, so as he was attempting to get that Swami title, Franklin Jones becomes a student of Rudy's. For at least two years that we know of. Now, this is where we get back to our initial story of Franklin Jones. So Franklin started studying under Rudy and in fact, at one point introduced him to his parents. So Franklin's father actually told Rudy that his son wanted to be a minister as a child, which we kind of covered earlier that he, you know, kind of gave up on that dream once he went to college. But... Rudy was like, 
nah, that was your that was your path and you abandoned it. So in 1965, Rudy insisted that Franklin marry his girlfriend, who's been the girlfriend the entire time from 1963 to now. Um, he insisted that he marry her, find steady employment, lose weight, stop taking drugs and enter seminary school. So he basically was like, clean your fucking life up and go be a minister. Like, stop doing LSD and go tell people about God. Which, (laughs) I don't, you know. That's like, I don't know. That's like when you go to... Uh, when you when you go to therapy and you're like the therapist is gonna say i'm doing everything right and they're like all right first of all you're gonna have to stop doing lsd every day yes now he doesn't necessarily achieve this um he does enter seminary two years later but he has a horrifying breakdown he gets taken to a hospital where they diagnose him as having an anxiety attack probably from the lsd (laughs) Well, like it's from you all know, those flaming pigeons. Yeah, it could. It, here's the thing: it could. <laughs> it could easily be from the stress of him attempting to live a life that he's not meant to live, and coming to realize that, or it could be the LSD. Either one, not great, but he took it as a sign that he was supposed to gain insight from it. So he believed that every time he had an anxiety attack, whatever afterwards was like a revelation to him. Oh, that's so dangerous he, because then you you begin to long for the thing that is harming you. That's not yes, good. It's not good. So he left seminary and briefly tried to join a Russian Orthodox seminary in Tuckahoe, New York, completely unrelated but i was this week years old when i realized that tuckahoe was a real place and not just a clever pun that they use on rupaul's drag race (laughs) because anytime anything happens on rupaul's drag race they're like yes this took place in tuckahoe like it's like tuckahoe lake tuck camp camp tuckahoe one year my rupaul's drag race fantasy league was the tuckahoe autobahn society quote looking for cocks it's, I had no idea it was a real place. That's so funny. Oh, my God. That's yeah. so funny. Yeah. So after that didn't work out, he moved back to New York City and got a job working for Pan American Airlines. The reason being is he thought he could use that job to be able to fly to India to study <laughs> under... Swami Muktananda himself, because he had been hearing about him from Rudy. In 1968, he managed to, I guess, amass enough air miles to do it for four days. So he traveled to India. He meets Swami Muktananda, tells him that he's studying under Rudy. And Muktananda's like, nah, 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 nah. You've got to study with me, dude. Like, <laughs> fuck that Rudy, motherfucker. Like, he literally convinces him to abandon Rudy because I'm pretty sure that Monk Dananda just hated Rudy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like he's yeah. just trying think, to get him out. I think Rudy really wanted to be his friend and Monk Dananda was like, no, we are not like, we're not close like that. Now they only stayed for four days. So after those four days, uh, Franklin and his wife fly back to New York and they become members 
and then later employees of the Church of Scientology. Oh, no. Oh, wow. What an unrelated topic for a podcast about cults. I know. Following Scientology's protocol, they severed all contact with both Rudy and Magdananda, but they were only in Scientology for a year. Then they left and returned to India to basically be like, sorry, Magdananda, you the real one. And (laughs) at that point... This is like when somebody, your ex cheats on you and then comes back and goes, I was wrong. I was so wrong. L. Ron Hubbard's dick isn't nearly as big as yours. Oh my God, it is fucking Gilmore Girls. Is this Sweet Home Alabama? Is this this plot? Oh, Sweet Home Alabama. If this is Sweet Home Alabama, then Scientology is Patrick Dempsey and Guru Makdananda is Josh Lucas. Um, so in the, the next year, in 1970, um, along with a friend who left Scientology at the same time as them, they gave away all of their belongings and traveled to India to basically live indefinitely at Makdananda's ashram, when they got there, they found that almost the entire ashram was just full of American tourists. So they left three weeks later. They were just like, no. How so dare they, you unenlightened American swine hang out with me, the unenlightened American swine. Yeah. That That's is- my whole thing with this. Like, this whole story is like one white guy pretends to be enlightened and teaches another white guy and then they're fighting over who's more enlightened and both of them go to India and they're like none of these people get it like it's ridiculous there is this thing so I've been I've been listening to a lot of the stories and lectures of one Ram Das who uh has as I've explained to Andrea and Paige before has very interesting ideas and has some pretty uh dumbass uh uh practical thoughts if that makes sense or maybe I got it wrong he has some pretty interesting thoughts, and then he has some dumbass practical ideas. Um, but one of the things that he talks about when he goes over kind of the history of you know his whole journey is how uh, there's kind of this thing that happens a lot where once an ashram starts like proving itself, or or a guru starts kind of showing themselves to you know they're onto something, like kind of that feeling their Mm -hmm. ashram will start to fill up with white people and then this just happens where other white people come and they're like oh no there's too many white people here for us it can't be good so it's basically just this weird series of gentrification yeah it's just like neighborhoods in la where like boyle heights people are like oh my god you have to go to boyle heights and they're like there are too many white people in Boyle Heights. It's yeah. not even authentic anymore. It's like you're white. That's exactly what it is. Like you gotta go to go to you gotta go to this neighborhood in Los Angeles because the Mexican food is so authentic. And then white people go there so much that there's no more Mexicans. And then somebody's like, ugh, Mexican food here sucks now. I'm gonna go to Highland Park and take over every apartment. Oh, too late. That already happened. Yeah. That was like a year and a half ago. Yeah, yeah, I know. God damn it. Always make. Anyway. So they're over it. So they take a tour of the Christian holy sites because he has a ver- uh, like a vision of the Virgin Mary, which he persona he believes is like a personification of the divine feminine power. For sure, for sure. Everyone anyway, wants a everyone does. So they make a pilgrimage to multiple Christian holy sites in Israel, the Middle East, and Europe 
And then they return to New York where they decide, hmm, I think it's time for us to go back to California. (laughs) So they move back to Los Angeles and he starts basically just meditating and studying pretty much anywhere that will take him. And it's Los Angeles, which is like everything. Throw two stones and someone will meditate with you. Um, So in this meditation, he realized that he had what he called the bright, which is his term for spiritual enlightenment. And so he started writing his autobiography titled The Knee of Listening. Oh, I thought you were going to say Mr. Brightside. <laughs> no. Did you know that that song has been on the charts literally since it came out? Like really? it's never officially left. Yeah, it's one of the longest running. Yeah, I love that song. Anyway. It's a great song. Coming out of my knee and you're doing just fine. <laughs> gotta, gotta get down because my elbow knows. <laughs> <laughs> So. It was only an Asian statue. How did it end up like this? So he basically says in his autobiography that he has always had spiritual enlightenment, that he was born with the full awareness of it, and it just became obscured in childhood, and his spiritual journey was to basically reveal it. Are you sure it's not Maybelline? <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not. I'm not sure. So that October of 1970, Muktananda decided to travel the United States on a worldwide tour that was funded by Rudy. So Franklin visited him. So wait, they're friends and, again? Yes. Well, so they, yes, they're currently friends. God, this is like, this is so Paige and Rory. You guys know what I'm talking about? It's very I don't. Girls, I never watched honestly. Gilmore Girls because I tried and I didn't like it and I've never been able to get into it. It's pretty hilarious because it's basically just the story of me and my own mother. And uh, just. No, uh, it's not. You're a much better person than these heroines. Yeah. I mean, that's the other thing, too, is that everyone in this story is god awful and I hate all of them. I think I'm just going to stick to watching Supernatural if it's all right. That's pretty good. I mean, that is, um, I think I told told you on the, uh, the, we had a chat with, uh, uh, we had a a virtual hang with the hosts of Horror Virgin. And uh, we talked about, uh, we talked about how it's so weird that part of Gilmore Girls, when she breaks up with Dean and then Dean uh, leaves and finds his other brother also named Dean and they travel the country (laughs) fighting all these Deanmans. Is I think what Andrea called the demons, demons, demons. I like I like Supernatural if you include it in the Gilmore Girls uh, <laughs> universe. universe, especially since eventually <laughs> Dean does come back. The character of uh, Dean, played by Sam from uh, Supernatural, comes back. God, such a good, so- such a good. Such two good shows that I hate love so much. They're both on the CW, aren't they? Yeah. One good show. It's one good show. Oh, they're both dog shit, and I love them so much. <laughs> anyway, anyway, so Rudy funds a tour for Swami Maktananda, and Franklin, aka Adida, decides that he is going to tell Maktananda about what he's discovered about quote unquote the bright. <laughs> but Swami Maktananda's like, I don't get it. Like, I don't, 
I don't understand. I, just, I don't think this is that important. You watch. I don't get it. Fucking The Shining one. <laughs> yeah. Rip I don't. So at that point, Adida, a.k.a. Franklin Jones, and Rudy are like, he doesn't get it. We're going to be friends again. So now Adida and Rudy are back at it again. Gruesome twosome. That is so Rory. So Adida decides that he's got to make some personal moves. So he has one of his old Scientology buddies, Sal, finance a bookstore called Don Horse Books. Originally, it was called Ashram Books, later Don Horse Books, and that becomes the brand in Los Angeles. Guess where it was in Los Angeles? Highland Park? It was not. Highland Park was still overrun by gangs at the time. Uh, I'm going to assume it was in West Hollywood. You would be correct. What street? Oh, God, no. Is it? Um, fuck. Just tell me. I'm not going to get it. It's on Melrose. I thought, okay, it, I fucking thought it was on, it was Melrose. on Melrose. Of course it was on Melrose. I didn't want to say Melrose, Melrose and sound like a goddamn idiot, but I knew it was Melrose. Yes, it was on Melrose. Um, and it was there for quite a long time before moving up to San Francisco. Oh, so wow. he like basically. Every business that opens up on Melrose. That's accurate. Um, he begins to kind of follow Rudy's business model mm -hmm. where statues everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, but he starts giving like lectures and classes in the store based on his own autobiography. Okay. So he's based. And with Sorry, go for it. Oh, within the store, again, it's a bookstore. He built a raised dais surrounded by flowers and Asian carpets where everyone else had to sit on the floor and he would sit above them in traditional teaching style and then tell them about his autobiography. Oh, that's that's oh, just man. the worst book reading ever. This is just narcissists go to India is what this oh. whole story is. Fun fact. Uh, if you read the adidam.org biography sections, there is one titled The Myth of Narcissus, where he basically writes this whole thing about, like, you need to let go of your narcissism to be truly enlightened. And I was like, look who's talking. Like, you fucking idiot. Yeah. Like, yeah. you're the most narcissistic person on earth. Jesus it's Christ. It's insane. There's, um, there's just a whole genre of person that just goes to India and is like, all right, I, I know I was only there for two weeks. And there's a lot of people that have spent their entire lives there learning and, you know, really in, in embroiling themselves in the culture but i'm pretty sure i got it guys yeah flowers carpets i got it yeah uh he basically copies rudy's model but more successfully so he's got a pretty substantial amount of followers so he decides to kind of parlay his like bookstore talks into a new religious movement called the Don Horse Communion, which Ooh. sounds fucking badass. That's pretty yeah. sick. Yeah, I'd ride into that cavalry. <laughs> yeah. But you're just a fan of anything horse. Yeah, big fan of horses named Don or otherwise. There you go. Now, in 1973, after he's already got kind of like his own following, he travels back to India to try and meet with Swami Muktananda again in hopes of being recognized as like 
an extra level of enlightened <laughs> called a Mahasita. And they disagreed and ended their friendship and yeah. went on to basically throw shade at each other for the rest of their lives. Damn. So you're saying the Swami said, nay. Nay. Nay to your Don horse. Now, after that, he returned to Los Angeles, was pretty bummed, but still believes that he was deserving of that title. So he's going to ask, act like it. Yeah, so I was gonna he, say there's there's he's taking a lot of effort to just just call yourself that. No one's gonna call right? you on it. This is like if yeah. two priests were openly bickering in church, which I have, been, and it is hilarious what? when two priests are in the same congregation but they disagree on how things should be run or what a scripture means. It is the funniest shit you've ever seen, and I love it so much. I am just now for the first time realizing that each church does not have just one preacher or priest i thought yeah there's a team yeah, yeah i thought that every single church had like their one because of tv obviously that is my entire yeah. <laughs> understanding of religion is uh i thought each church just had one preacher or priest uh, so when you were describing that, what I thought was happening was somebody's in the middle of giving a sermon and the door just gets kicked open and it's another preacher. <laughs> I kick you. ass for the Lord. It's just like in the middle of it. Yeah. I got my, I got my congregation here to kick your congregation's ass. And then they just break out into a fight. I oh mean, my God, that I sometimes happens too. Really? Kind of. So the, one of the, like. A couple years ago, I went home. Wait, not the way I'm describing it, right? Not an all-out brawl. I mean, they don't fight physically. So a couple years ago, I went home and went to church with my parents. And as we're driving up like the driveway to the church, there's like a whole crowd picketing the church. <laughs> and I'm like, what the hell is happening? And they were like, oh, they're mad because the pastor wouldn't say that gay people are evil. And then we continued to drive up. <laughs> so, like, it was a group of people, not people that, like, went to our church or anything, just, like, a with just, like, huge signs that were just, like, homo lovers, almost like, kind of like the um, uh, Baptist church, Westboro. Yeah. Kind of like that, but not them, just, like, other local people. And I was like, what? is happening i don't i don't want to give anyone advice on how to be better at hating people but if you hold up a giant sign that says homo lovers my first thought is gonna be like hey man me too <laughs> good for you <laughs> i don't have yeah. a big fucking sign about it but congratulations yeah well, and then the pastor it. like in in the service had to be like i know everyone saw the signs I'm sorry that they had to disrupt your morning. We just believe that God created everyone and that everyone's equal. And so we shouldn't judge people that like, it was like a whole crazy thing where I was just like, what has happened? It was the first time I'd ever seen that. I, and I mean, the last time I've seen it in person too. It's absolutely but, fucking wild. But now I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm very tickled by the idea that different churches can have beef with each other. I am in love they with this do. concept. Not only different churches. So the church I grew up in had this crazy, manic, misogynistic, white man preacher and he would he definitely had ADD and he would just like preach about how every other religion was worse. And then you just go on these wild tangents about nothing. And then at the same time, because our community had a 
for where I'm from, they had a fairly sizable Hispanic population. They had a preacher that was bilingual so he could teach the Spanish mass. So he, we would have like three English masses and one Spanish mass every Sunday. And he would sometimes fill in and sometimes he would do the English mass as well. And it was hilarious how he would have to kind of be like, well... I believe this about scripture and he would kind of stick more to the Catholic notes. Whereas like father Kotnik was just, he was also an alcoholic. That was a problem. He had to go to rehab. It was a whole thing. But like when they would talk after church, sometimes you could see, uh, I can't remember the other father's name, but he would just be like, trying not to openly fight with Father Kotnick. Congratulations, Andrea. You just wrote a show for the CW. It's fantastic. <laughs> oh, sorry. Wild tangent, but I love it so much. If you afterwards want to share your preacher fight stories, I want to hear about them. Yeah. I, I do want to hear about I really do. Fights. I'm so... It's I my can't, favorite genre. I can't think of a word other than tickled. That is the best <laughs> way to... I, it's just, oh my God, I love it so much because you're supposed to only care about love and compassion. So upon returning to Los Angeles, he was upset that he didn't get the spiritual title that he wanted. Oh. So he instructed all of his followers to call him by his new name, Bubba Free John. <laughs> okay. Oh, <laughs> Don't know why. Okay. Uh, he, he says it's based on a nickname meaning friend combined with like an angram of Frank. No, no, those aren't even the right letters. No, it, it is, makes no sense. It's absolutely not. It, mean, it's, it means large Southern man in my experience. Yeah. yeah I People yeah. have called my husband Bubba. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That yeah. happens all the time. That's the, the worst thing. It's just... I don't know. You ever, if you ever go to the South and someone looks at you and they just go, "Oh, how's it going, Bubba?" It's the acceptable way to be like, "How's it going, fat, fat man?" And it's like, (laughs) you know what? I want to be mad at you. I want to be mad at you, but I did order alligator sausage with a side of biscuits and gravy and a chicken. How was it? Alligator sausage is fucking phenomenal. If you guys are curious, there is a New Orleans themed Cajun restaurant in uh, the Gaslamp District of San Diego that also has alligator sausage, and it is. What's the name of that restaurant? Fuck, I wish I could tell you. But I'm you know what I'm gonna say? I bet there's not a whole lot of Cajun restaurants in the gas lamp district. That's pr- that's pretty true. It's probably easy to find. Yeah. So after changing his name to Bubba Free John with all his like newfound hotness energy or whatever, he divorces his wife, <laughs> but she remains a follower. Oh, oh no honey, run. You have yes. everything in this relationship nothing well she doesn't have a cool name like bubba free john yeah she's no she's no bubba free john yeah oh well he was bubba john until they got divorced now he's bubba free john it's it's not bubba wee john it's (laughs) bubba free john more like bubba lsd john (laughs) so the next year he told his followers that he was the divine lord in human form oh sure 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 and they were able to buy a hot springs resort in Lake County, California. They call it the Mountain of Attention. Um, but him and a group of selected followers moved there and experimented with living 
communally. Are we not going to talk about how mountain of attention just sounds like somebody's boner sticking up through their <laughs> yeah, pants? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely sounds yeah, like yeah. a sexual position. Oh, God. I mean, it Anthony's sounds like it was... Anthony's got the mountain of attention Mountain of again. attention. He's got his his husband's bulge. Um, <laughs> oh, God. Um, I'm going to send two preachers like... to talk about him, and then they'll get into a fight with each other. Well, it sounds like it was named by the same person that was like the knee of listening and you're just like, <laughs> oh, the dear. mountain of attention. Oh, yeah, it totally is. I, I completely <laughs> yeah. forgot that this guy just throws darts at a fucking uh, thesaurus and just uses whichever words no, he, he picks. he just has one of those fridge magnet things and he just <laughs> blindly he names shit with a, a yeah. set of boggle boxes. Just like, yeah. <laughs> so... A lot of their followers actually relocated from Los Angeles to either the commune or to San Francisco, where the business Don Horse Books had moved. And during this time, he decided that maybe he wasn't married to the name Bubba Free John. What? And he changed it to a bunch of other stuff. So he went from Bubba Free John to Da Free John. Da meaning like you know da bears obviously no it means giver he believes that yeah. it's a sanskrit word for giver giver of super but... bowl rings of course da bears <laughs> but it, it would just written out it just looks like da as in like da baby oh. so it's like da free john or so it's bubba free john da free john da love ananda dal loloma da Kalki, Hiriada Samartha Satguru Da, Santosha Da, Da Avahuta, Da Havahasa, and then from 1994 on, Adida Lavananda Samraj, or Adida for short. Oh my God. I just love that he doesn't know the Hindi word or the Sanskrit word for love. Like, he's just like yeah. all the other ones, but not love, which I know in Hindi is PR, but that's yeah. the only. I am pretty happy that he basically went the way of the rapper and was like, yeah, my name is Bubba Free John, a.k.a. And then a- just came up with a da bunch Free of other John. shit. Yeah. <laughs> a.k.a. Yes. You might know me uh, from these streets selling statues. <laughs> No, no, no. This is the follower no, of the guy. different dude. This is the oh, follower shit. of the guy that sold statues. That's my bad. Okay, never mind. No, it's all good. I know it's confusing. It's a lot It's a lot of people has, vying for attention. And his names attention. keep on a changing. <laughs> yeah. So in 19, or starting in 1973, this continued for quite some time. He began to change the way that he taught. And he called his new method, quote, Crazy wisdom. Whoa. <laughs> All right. Now I'm back on okay. board. Is this like crazy breath? <laughs> no. I mean. It's wisdom and it comes at the side of marinara sauce. <laughs> I, I'm i here that for it. That sounds like a very I want New it. York thing anyway. <laughs> That's, I mean, if it's still $3, here hey, for it. You want enlightenment? You know what's good with enlightenment? Little marinara. Am I right? Hey, cook them up a little fazola so during this time, under his crazy wisdom banner, he initiated teachings and activities that he started to call, quote, the garbage and the goddess, which that sounds like Andre and my couple name. 
You might regret that in a second oh, because what no. the garbage and the goddess meant is he started to ask nicely, direct, I guess is the better word, his followers in something called sexual theater, basically a form of psychodrama. If you remember Unarius, they would do psychodramas. It's this like acting out your past lives. So it's just yeah, but this is, in he is his causing version, a lot of psychodrama. He is a psycho yeah, causing a lot of That's why it's crazy wisdom. Oh. Uh, but uh, his psychodramas, unlike Unarius, which is mostly UFOs, in this case, they often involved public and group sex, oh, no. making pornographic films, and essentially just intensified sexual experiences fueled by drugs and alcohol which were now encouraged where he's like ever since the guy that told me to stop doing drugs and alcohol is not my friend anymore let's do all the drugs and alcohol but at the same time he also decided that you could now eat meat and as much junk food as you wanted. So is that like those were actual rules. You got to lift that rule if you're going to start eating pussy, Paige. Here's the thing. (laughs) Here's the thing. If you're going into like full orgy mode, I would prefer if you had a little bit healthier eating style because it's going to make everything smell and taste just much better. Yes. Uh, Now, he tried to explain this by saying that this was him overturning conventional moral values basically to shock his followers into recognizing their habitual patterns and emotional attachments Uh, so that they could surrender to him. Basically, like, do everything to find out what is hindering you. Um, Ah, yes. Footloose rules. Yeah, footloose <laughs> rules. Uh, but then, then again, he also was like, also, none of you are fucking married anymore. Okay. So he, he started splitting up people who were married and having them switch partners. <sighs> and he then had nine or more polygamous partners during this time. Now, I do want to say, if that's your jam, as long as we're consenting adults, no issue. But if there is a case where someone's being manipulated into that behavior... And they're not choosing it for themselves in a healthy uh, egalitarian system, then it becomes a problem. So it's not the polyamory per se as much as it is the forced polyamory. Yeah. yeah. It feels like if that's going to be your decision, it shouldn't have anything to do with your uh, religion. It's, it's kind yeah, of the base. It should baseline. be a personal thing. Um, and he started recommending polygamy or polyamory to all of his followers it basically became the law of the land and he wrote an entire book about this period in the group called 50 shades of gray (laughs) uh the garbage and the goddess the last miracles and final spiritual instructions of bubba free john (laughs) um and he basically sent out lecture tapes and everything along with it and it sold out immediately and the second like run was sent to bookstores but because it was so controversial the cult required every essentially every book in the second run to be sent back and they were burned <laughs> at Adidas request i tried to get a copy of this book 
and it's impossible. I mean, they are impossible to find. Hey, if, it was... if you're listening to this episode and you've got like a weird grandma, like a like a like a grandma <laughs> that you guys are like very upset to talk to around Thanksgiving. Um, but not in like the weird way or not in the bad way, just in the like, okay, grandma's a little bit of a nut. She's all there, but she's a little bit of a nut. Just go through her shit and just see if you can find one of these and send it to us because I cannot, I, I want to hear it so bad. I I do. I feel like there's going to be a lot of the like lick the lips of repentance as you thrust in your shaft of enlightenment and i'm it's gonna be confusing um god i there is a this is a thing that i didn't know until i was researching another group but the the lecture tape circuit uh of like you know recording like your sermons and then selling them on tape that is something that is still thriving there is I, i found a few sites that are essentially just soundcloud but for preachers and yeah. uh, one of the groups that we might cover in the near future, uh, there is a recording because this guy posts every single recording that he has or every every single sermon that he has ever done and he posts them on this site and i was listening to one at random and somebody gets up to leave and he just goes on a rant where he's like how fucking dare you how dare you and it is the funniest thing i have ever heard in my entire life it that is essentially the same exact feeling when you are doing stand up in a bar show for three people <laughs> and one person is politely listening and decides they want another drink and whoever is bombing at the time decides to just light into them and make everyone feel as unwelcome as possible. That is what you have just described, but for a spiritual leader. Yeah, I also just think it's really fun that we have turned preachers into SoundCloud rappers. That ma- that really tickles me too. Yeah, and it makes like the Duff pre- Free John exactly, and it <laughs> makes the preacher beef so much more ah, oh, just so much better. I want a preacher diss tape. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. I guarantee you it exists. I'm gonna find it. I guarantee it. it does. So, in 1983, kind of at the end of this garbage in the goddess period. Adida moved with about 40 of his followers to the Fijian island of Nitaba. Um, He purchased, well, or rather, the island was owned at the time by actor Raymond Burr, Perry Mason. What? What? Okay. Yes. Yeah. The the actor... (laughs) Yes. The famous Perry Mason actor owned an island. It was like, yeah, you guys could live there. Um, and it was Justin. Yes, I'm a hundred percent serious. Not the current Perry Mason. No, no, no. Of course not. Yeah, the old, not the gritty reboot, the old one. Um, now, I think they probably moved because they knew some shit was about to come, because (laughs) only about two, (laughs) only about two years later they started getting a lot of national attention. The San Francisco Chronicle, the San Francisco Examiner, the Mill Valley Record basically constantly covered them and constantly covered allegations of sexual abuse within the group. Because remember, their business is in San Francisco. So San Francisco just basically just kept publishing expose after expose after expose. Finally, the Today Show airs an expose that same year. And... They essentially, it's ex-members 
um, who have basically claimed that they were psychologically, sexually, and physically abused, that they were forced to participate in the polyamory and forced to appear on camera uh, for some of the pornographic films, and they accused the church of committing tax fraud. However, many other members said that they never witnessed or were involved in any of those activities, but, I mean, that doesn't mean it didn't happen, but there's it's kind of a he said he said she said so it doesn't go to a criminal trial but the organization is sued uh so the organization was sued by beverly mahoney the wife of the president who was left the adidam president who was left in charge while adida went to fiji and she sought five million in damages they threatened to file a countersuit. That countersuit's never filed. Um, conflicting statements happen where some of the witnesses would claim, like, group sex happened, people were forced into it, people were forced into these pornographic videos, but then people would come back and be like, no, it was all consenting adults, everything was fine. And so it becomes kind of this he said, she said issue, and by the time a lot of this is taking place in court, Many of the actions are past the statute of limitations, which is why we should get rid of it. Just saying. Yeah, um, 100%. Yeah. Either way, it's not a criminal case. It's a lawsuit. And so eventually the suit was dismissed. So there were a couple different lawsuits filed. None of them are successful. Um, I think in part it's more just that people gave up. It's expensive to have a lawsuit going on that long as evidenced by the fact that it started to impact the religion itself because they had to pay for all of the legal, you know, charge legal costs for those lawsuits going on as long as they did. So by 1986, um, Adida basically is like, my life's work of developing this whole religion is futile and we're losing money and it's ridiculous. Um, but he at this point starts having those anxiety attacks again and doctors diagnose him with exhaustion and stress which can definitely cause anxiety attacks uh he tells them they're wrong and says that he has in fact died and resurrected right right, 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 um, right. and that that's what each of these episodes was and so he refers to this as his divine emergence and from that point on he says that anyone only needs to basically meditate on his image or his body to achieve an enlightened state. Okay. What? Yeah, like I can send you a picture, and if you think about it real hard, you'll receive the bright too. I, do, I yeah. at the risk of sounding like a swami, I don't get it. I just don't. <laughs> I don't. I don't understand. Um, he also predicted that by the year two thousand. He would be recognized by the entire world for his unique spiritual realizations. And obviously that didn't happen, but he lived that long. So he experiences kind of a weird personal crisis where he decides that he's not really going to teach anymore and just starts like blessing people from a distance to counteract negative forces in the world. But he did keep writing books and making art and giving talks, but he would really emphasize the importance of silence. <laughs> like, yeah, like most old men. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
It was his two biggest lessons were silence and good lawn maintenance. And marinara <laughs> with your knowledge. Mm, yeah. Now, there is a really odd merging of cults in the year 2000 where a bunch of followers of a man named Frederick Lenz, which we don't really have a ton of time to get into today, um, joined Adidam and this kind of upset people who'd been in the group for a long time. Uh, the reason they joined is because Frederick Lenz committed suicide oh my God. only a couple of years before. So like their guru killed himself. And so they found a new one. Um, and Adida was like, yes, of course he was my disciple in a previous life. You're welcome to come here. So he kind of embraces them and that kind of causes a bit of a rift in the group. Um, he then decided that for the last years of his life, he was going to focus on his digital art and photography. And he died in 2008 at his home in Fiji working on his art. So he died <laughs> a graphic designer? No. Yes, he did. What are his, yes, he did. What are, what are his digital art and photographies? Well, he made a couple of logos for a podcast. <laughs> um, it's just black he does, and white nudes. <laughs> yeah he does also they listed his children um which normally wouldn't be super interesting uh but he does he does have four children um with three different or i'm sorry three biological daughters with three different women and then one adopted daughter uh so one of his daughters is a noted underwater fashion model what what Mm-hmm. I don't have any other information besides that. I'm I think sorry. Any underwater fashion model is noted in my book. That's insane. Right? It's hard to hold your breath that long and look sexy. <laughs> yeah. Now, at this point, this is where I think the Vice article is actually pretty interesting because it follows uh, a group of Adidam practitioners in New York who still believe and are still holding essentially meetings where they watch old sermons on tape and like compilations of sermons on tape and they still believe that Adida is the avatar that is the guru and savior but isn't he dead yes yes yeah that's okay. that that's the, i mean the thing about gurus is they just go into the like the ether sort of into a different state of consciousness i just don't under you know like if he's like hey i'm god and then he just dies and then they're they're just like if he's i mean if he's borrowing from the jesus also did yeah but he i guess so he left behind a lot of like teachings that he didn't burn yeah 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 you can't burn all yeah he only burnt he only burned that one book okay so he still all his other books still exist he only burned that one where he was just like oh no they might find out what my dick looks like or something like that and then it's the that one book. yeah well he did have that chapter called see my butt and my balls (laughs) see the butt of inheritance and the balls of thankfulness but my balls um (laughs) but my balls in the future (laughs) Just see my butt in the balls of my future. Oh my god! Yeah, this is this is just. I love how much he pivots. I love how much he's like, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta follow my passion. I gotta chase mm-hmm. my happy at the expense of others, apparently. But Jesus Christ! I mean, minus the minus the orgy sex, or maybe 
well maybe with the i mean orgy, i think so he I... I think he wanted to be in charge of people he wanted to feel important yeah this is a classic la trajectory of just like i'm in the arts and yeah i'm i'm an actor but also i'm a writer and also i've got this one woman show about like cinderella but if she was like a starbucks barista oh, it's about feminism but also i've been really getting into like graphic design but also um i'm kind of in like i'm going into like a spirituality lane devil it's spirit. those people devil spirit, devil spirit. <laughs> <laughs> yes this is i also do want to say for anyone that says because we, we this has been a pretty la joke heavy episode uh all of these people are not people who are from los angeles there are people who move here from Los Angeles. So you know these people already. They just haven't moved to Los Angeles yet. Yeah. Accurate. Los Angeles is like honey to flies. And flies are ill-equipped people. So <laughs> that's pretty much how we do. Oh, my God. I was driving. Actually, funny enough, I was driving on Melrose today. <laughs> so that's. Adidam. That's that's the wildness that is this cult that kept me up for a couple God. days straight. Yikes. I love this this there's a very specific uh type of cult that that I maybe it's just from a very special age rather. Um where these cults will open up a bookstore and they're like, "Yeah, that's how we'll get people in." Because it may print media. Yeah, it may have worked in the seventies, but n the only reason people go into bookstores now is to buy cheaper CDs because they're sixty or air conditioning. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That's why the only Scientology has almost gotten me a couple times. Yeah. walking in Pasadena. Honestly, Scientology, if you're listening, which I fucking know you are, um, but if you are listening to this, if you really want to get people, open a fucking Starbucks inside, and I swear to God, you will have all of Los Angeles. That's actually brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, that's all you're yeah, missing. That's really smart. I know you have enough money to buy Starbucks, first of all. Second of all, just buy, just put a Starbucks in your fucking building. How do you know they're not already connected? Follow the money, super sweet coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. I think Andrea is slowly falling asleep. I'm so yeah. tired. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's almost 10 p.m. and it is past. That's my right. Bedtime. It is. It is 10:15. 10 10:15 p.m. <laughs> Guys, I am dying over here. Okay, <laughs> it's way past my bedtime. Jake, Jake also has to go to bed. Oh. So this episode, just like every episode, is brought to you by weird religious bookstores. Hey, did you come in here <laughs> looking for comic books? Well, buckle up, buddy, because it's about to get weird. <laughs> 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 come come on down always next to the local sandwich shop anyway and we're throwing a free statue <laughs> free statue with every purchase uh this episode is actually brought to you just like every episode by our wonderful amazing patreon donors <laughs> uh this episode in particular is brought to you in part by colin they say hi friends my name is colin thank you for your content makes my commute a lot funnier um Aww. love that love that love i love the thought that your commute was already a little funny you know what i mean just every day you, you <laughs> try to work and there's just like i don't know like a clown who's trying to put up a billboard that said support the actors fun but then he fell off the billboard and he's like come on you gotta help me and everyone's like oh that's a really funny bit clown <laughs> he's got so many ladders yeah he's like i'm just I, 
I work in Los Angeles. I have like eight jobs. I was dressed for my clown job, but I'm doing billboards right now. So anyway, you're welcome, Colin. <laughs> we love you. Um, if you want to look at our Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash cult podcast. There you can check out all of our awesome tiers and rewards. For just $5 a month, you get access to our bonus show, The Speculation Zone. Ooh. There are a bunch of other awesome tiers and rewards there as well. Hey, do you, if you want to send me, <laughs> if you want to send me your, your, if you want to send me a scene for the pilot that I'm now writing called uh, Preacher Fight. Um, <laughs> I think it should be like bum fights. Yeah. But it's preacher yeah. Fight. yeah. But yeah. we convince preachers to fight by being like, hey, if you fight this other preacher, I'm going to put two of you in a room together and w- one of you is going to get to usher me into heaven forever. The best part about preacher fights is the subtlety. I will say the subtlety, the subtle dissing using scripture is hilarious highly recommend yeah i do love anyone who can talk shit while citing a book that is pretty fucking (laughs) dope it's all fun and games until someone shouts get behind me satan (laughs) (laughs) what what does that even mean are we trying to save satan no, no, no. Get behind me as in, like, do not tempt me anymore. Get behind me, Satan. Oh, because it sounds like one of two things. One, it sounds like Satan is trying to it's trying to clap those cheeks. No, absolutely <laughs> not. Satan, get behind me, Satan. Don't you dare. Satan is Stop the it. number one backer on Patreon. <laughs> That's what it is. Two, get behind me, Satan. Sounds like you're trying to save Satan. Like, you're in yeah. a, there's an accident coming on. You're like, get behind me, Satan. We got to keep you. Anyway, if you want to send me your favorite uh, Satan ass-clapping fan fiction of your... No, I don't, <laughs> don't love this. Don't do that. You can't don't. because of the tail anyway. <laughs> he's he, Then he's going to clap your cheeks when you get to hell. How is that going to feel? Uh, yeah. Probably probably just about the same as living uh if you want to if you want to send me that you can my dms are wide open satan uh no bad hit me up on i know it's hot and you're delirious but you're gonna regret this later (laughs) hit me up on instagram and twitter at mondo does stuff that's m-a-n-d-o does hey guys if you want to send me First of all, I love preacher fights. Big fan. Please send me any actual preacher fight instances you can think of. Second of all, uh, Dawn Horse. All I could think the whole time is that the name Dawn sounds already divorced. So I'm just thinking, imagining like a 45-year-old divorced horse that also runs a printing press. If you want to write me a fan fiction about her, <laughs> I'm so tired. It's, okay, wait. So I've already got one. And here, here it is. Here it is for you. I can't believe that son of a bitch left me. And then the friend comes over and they're like, who, Don? And she goes, Mr. Ed. <laughs> and it's just the, make her Mrs. Ed. And it's the story. Well, that's her. That's her. You know, he's, that's her he's, name. He's Mr. Oh. X now. <laughs> yeah. If you want to write Andrea's story about Mr. Ed's ex horse wife, Don. 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 Yeah. Please send it to me on all the things at Sundress Comic or at Andrea Gazetta on Instagram and check out my art. I got some cool stuff coming up. So divorce is divorce. Of course, of course, (laughs) unless of course that divorce is one to a horse.
the wonderful Mr. Ed. I, I really butchered that, but you know where I'm going. Okay, also, for real, though, please send me sexy And definitely please send them to me on Instagram at Andrea Gazetta because I will share those sexy statues because that is art, baby. I'm interested to see what our listeners think a sexy statue looks like. I can con conversely, I'm hey, I'm Paige Wesley. Hi, you know who I am. I want to see unsexy statues. Oh, hell yeah. Mostly Confederate uh, statues, a lot of really. Nuns here. <laughs> uh, but more importantly, I want to know if we were all going to change our names, what should we change them to? Oh. I want to pull a Bubba Wee John. What are our names going to be? <laughs> if I was going to change my name, um, let's see. This is a true story. When I was a child, uh, I grew up being named Armando, which is not a super common name. And uh, when you are when you have something that's not common, uh, a lot of kids just make you feel bad for having it. So uh, I begged my mom when I was in elementary school to change my name to David because there was like five Davids in my class. And I was like, I want to be part of the David clan. You I just to be really... white. Why? Yeah. I feel like you should have leaned in and been a tray you. That's yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, it would have, it would have been so cool if I could have just started telling everyone my nickname is Trey. That would have been pretty sick. That would have been pretty cool. Uh, I was almost named Laurel, so I think I lucked out. Ooh, I yeah. Laurel. That's kind of cool. It's only one letter away from Gilmore Girls, which I think is pretty awesome. God, I hate that shit. My name was supposed to be Angela because it was my grandmother's name. Oh, would not have loved you as much. Yeah, sorry. So sorry Angela. about that. Uh, but my cousin Angela got it first, and then I got a cousin Annie, and so I'm Andrea. So they just were like, A-N names is it for women. And that's it. Those are the girls. That's what happened. Those are all the girl cousins. So, yeah. So I got Andrea. Honestly, if I was going to if I was going to try to do a different name to like gain followers, like if we're playing the game right, I would probably incorporate uh, some of that Bubba energy, but I'd take it up a notch and I'd go Big Bubba Mondizi and that would be my name. <laughs> I'm going to call you Big Bubba Mondizi forever. Oh, now. hell yeah, dude. Hell yeah. Hey, welcome I... to Cold Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley, and I'm Big Bubba Mondeezy. Big Mon Bubba Mondeezy. What the fuck is up, dude? Lean in hard. Do it. <laughs> uh, people used to mishear my name in retail all the time and call me Peaches. What? But I kind of liked it, so I think maybe I'll go with Peaches. I'm Peaches. You're Big Bubba Mondeezy. Peaches is also the devil from Rocco's Modern Life, which is hilarious. And gave me nightmares. Oh, yeah. He works at a sex hotline. Yeah. <laughs> Get behind me, peaches. Yikes. What's my name? You don't have a fake fun name? A fake fun name? I mean, okay. What about Beautycorn? Briefly, I was rapping under the name DJ Glitterpants. What? Oh, that's right. That's right. DJ Glitterpants. I forgot I about this. this. You did do hip hop. I had a stint in college where we had to explore an art form outside of our comfort zone. Oh, you so I convinced my friend who was a music major who loves jazz and knows nothing about hip hop to oh. make me a beat. And then I rapped, quote unquote, under the name DJ Glitterpants. And it was hilarious. I had a great time. 
I want to, if it's not too much work for you, Paige, because you're going to edit this episode, can you uh, splice in the part where Andrea talked about gentrification, like right after <laughs> this little. <laughs> On it. Uh, if you like our show. I got you, Big Bubba Mondeezy. <laughs> If you like our show, you can follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast, or you can follow us uh, also at Big Bubba Colt Podcast. <laughs> I'll go ahead and go grab that Instagram name real quick. <laughs> or at Twitter on, or on Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. You can also send us an email to Colt Podcast Show at gmail dot com. And if you want to send us any copies of that dirty sex book, <laughs> you can send them to. 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like, the, the, shining. like the Shining, Los Angeles, California. And I'm going to say, don't drink mescaline for breakfast. That's definitely a dinner item. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and don't drink the Kool Aid. Bye. Bye. Dude, we totally fucking got Big Bubba Colt podcast. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. <laughs>